Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What would you say is the most essential teaching in the Christian faith? Which doctrine comes first before anything else? What is the most important thing the Bible has to say to you? Now, there, there are several possibilities, but only one is the most important. Today, we commemorate the 505th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation. On October 31st, 1517, an Augustinian friar and professor of theology, Dr. Martin Luther, posted 95 theses on the castle church door in Wittenberg. He objected to the sale of indulgences. And so the Reformation began. But it was in Paul's letter to the Romans where Dr. Luther found Christianity's most important teaching. Reading Romans made Luther see that the church in his day had misunderstood how to be justified. To be justified, if you remember from last week, to be justified means to be pardoned. It means to be acquitted and declared righteous. It means that your relationship with God is put right again. So, the question before us this morning is how, according to Paul's letter to the Romans, will you be justified? I want you to see first two things this morning. First, Paul tells us how justification does not happen. And then second, he tells us how justification does happen. He says first that justification does not happen by the works of the law. And we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Verse 20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. The works of the law are the things that you do in obedience to God's moral law. God's law is his will for your life. It says that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. It says we should love our neighbors as ourselves, and it tells us how we are to live in this world. Do not kill do not take your neighbor's stuff. Do this. Don't do this. And so the first thing that Paul tells you is that you are not justified. No human being is justified by trying to keep the law. Why? Paul says, because since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Sin is a spiritual disease. It's a corruption that goes to the core of our humanity. 
The law unmasks that. It shows that we are sinners. The law reveals the rebellion that's in each of our hearts. It makes our sin against God known. Now, we commit sins, and so we might think, we might be tempted to think that all we need is a little spiritual touch-up. I just need to be better and try harder. But that doesn't work. See, the problem is not just your thoughts and your words and your deeds. Those are just symptoms, symptoms of a deeper problem. The problem is sin dwelling in you. Sin has corrupted your mind, your will, your every thought, your every desire, and your every action. So the law is like a spiritual MRI that makes a deep scan going beneath the surface, looking beyond the symptoms and finding what's wrong at the core. And the MRI shows that something deeper, something you can't always see, is at work. The law can do this because it gives us a detailed record of God's will for our lives. The law makes it vividly clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It makes us aware of our sinfulness. Not only does the law show us our sin, but it also shuts our mouth so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world be accountable to God. We're always quick to give an excuse, eager to provide some sort of rationalization. Well, the law will shut your mouth before God. Imagine a defendant in a courtroom. The prosecuting attorney has done such a good job at making his case that the defendant has nothing to say. He cannot provide any defense. And the prosecution then holds him accountable for justice. God's law will hold the entire world accountable to the highest court of justice. We will all be without defense. We will have nothing to say and our mouths will be silenced because the law gives you zero wiggle room. No one gets to go to heaven because they gave it the good old college try. There is a benchmark, and that's perfection. You, therefore, must be perfect, said Jesus, as your Father, Heavenly Father is perfect. Now, we might look virtuous to others, but we are all still accountable to God. One day, everything that we have said and done and thought and wanted all of that will be judged by God himself. Because sin is a universal problem. We are all guilty before God. It's his law we have broken. It's his glory that we have fallen short of. So we cannot be justified by trying to keep the law. Why? Two reasons. It shows that all people are sinners, and it holds us each personally accountable to God. So... Second, when Paul wants to talk about justification, how it does happen, he talks about what God has done. I want you to see two amazing words in verse 21. But now. But now. These two words tell you that everything has changed. 
Something dramatic has happened. Yes, we are all sinners who are personally accountable to God. But now, God has intervened. But now, God has not left you in your sin. But now, God has taken the initiative. Now, God made the world. Is it all just going to turn out to be a big mistake? I mean, the world is filled with wickedness. And God is the just judge. He can't just let it slide. Something has to be done. So God planned to deal with our sin and to restore us to a right relationship with him. And Paul says that this is manifested apart from the law and the law and the prophets bear witness to it. That means that God's plan has been unfolded in the pages of Holy Scripture for you to see. God's plan is not implemented by scrapping the world and starting over again. Listen to these verses from Romans. Follow it closely. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That is the gospel in a nutshell. One commentator I read said this is the most important paragraph in the entire Bible. This is where you find the Bible's most important teaching. You are a convicted sinner, as guilty as guilty can be. Yet you can stand before God and be declared innocent by the blood of another who has died for you. It's based on grace. That's why it is a gift. You can't earn it by works. And the fantastic thing about the gospel is that even though we've sinned against God, he took it upon himself to replace our sin with his righteousness and his anger with reconciliation. That's where that word propitiation comes in. It's a big word. What does it mean? A propitiation is a gift that you offer to make peace with someone who's angry with you. The gift that you offer to make peace with someone who's angry with you. Men, husbands, think of it this way. It's not uncommon for a husband to buy flowers, chocolates, maybe some wine for his wife when he screws up and wants to restore the relationship. The thing that begins to bring peace in that relationship is the flowers. It's what our text calls a propitiation. We are unrighteous, unjust, and unholy. And it's unpopular, but we must understand that our sins make God justifiably angry with us. And that's why Jesus is your propitiation. We are, um, he is the thing, or rather, not the thing, but the person that made peace with God on your behalf. 
Because of Jesus Christ, no longer does the wrath of God hang on you. Jesus accomplished this willingly. Willingly. By giving his life for you. He gave up his perfect life. His life is the ransom paid for your redemption. When Paul says in our text, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The redemption is in Christ Jesus because his blood paid for your ransom, your release. He gave his life so you could be released from sin and guilt and condemnation. You can't pay for it and you can't work for it. It's all of Christ. What coin do you have in your pocket that can compare to the blood of Jesus Christ? What's in your wallet that can compare to his perfect life lived for you? His innocent suffering and death for you? You do not stand before God because you have done good things, but because Jesus Christ has done good things. You don't approach God based on your religious works, but based on the blood of Jesus. So, if being justified means that God declares you righteous in his sight, and if you can't pay for it because it's a free gift, and you can't work for it because it's by his grace, and if you were ransomed through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, how do you get this justification? To be justified before God is to be justified by faith alone. Faith is trust in the promise that God is favorable towards you because Jesus is the propitiation of your sins. And what can be easier than faith? Dear Christians, do you want this? Do you want this? If you want this, then turn to Christ with no payment in your hands, with nothing to your credit. Lean on Christ. His promise of forgiveness is based on his body given for you and his blood shed for you. Martin Luther himself quotes our epistle reading in Romans in our Lutheran confessions. Listen this morning to Dr. Luther. The first and chief article is this. Jesus Christ our God and Lord died for our sins and was raised again for our justification. He alone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. All have sinned and are justified freely without their own works or merits by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus in his blood. This is necessary to believe. This cannot be otherwise acquired or grasped by any work, law, or merit. Therefore, it is clear and certain that this faith alone justifies us. As St. Paul says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. 
Nothing of this article can be yielded or surrendered, even though heaven and earth and everything else falls. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And with his stripes, we are healed. Upon this article, everything we teach and practice depends in opposition to the Pope, the devil, and the whole world. Therefore, we must be certain and not doubt this doctrine. Otherwise, all is lost. And the Pope, the devil, and all the adversaries win the victory and the, the right over us. Thus far, Luther. Brothers and sisters, on this Reformation morning, I want you to remember that the first and chief article in the Bible is that you are justified freely, without works, by faith alone, because Christ is the propitiation for your sins. That's worth having a reformation about. May the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.